From the nation's capital to the sunshine state. It's compelling. The high plains of Kansas and the northeast corner of the land of enchantment. It's Friday. The land of EWTN all across the Lone Star State. It's GRN Alive. Bringing you faith, fun, and facts. Live from the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us on the show. Call 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Good morning and welcome to GRN Alive here on the Guadalupe Radio Network, May 22nd. Wow, it's May 22nd already. Can you believe it? 2020, Friday of the... Sixth week of Easter, and depending on when you celebrate it, uh, the Ascension was either yesterday or this Sunday. Ran into Dr. Chris Malloy at uh, Mass last night. Good to see you there. Good to see you. It was a great Mass. Yeah, it really was. And I, I told you afterwards, I said, gosh, we could have a whole show just on the homily that we heard from our pastor, Father Dean. I thought it was pretty amazing, but uh, really not much time for that. Glad you're with us. This is uh, one of two times per week at this time that we come on across the Guadalupe Radio Network and just speak to you. As a family and bring some really interesting guests. I'm very excited about the guests we have for today. Uh, I'll tell you about that in just a second. Uh, my name is Dave Palmer, executive director here at the station uh, in North Texas and host of the Friday GRN Alive. Uh, Joe McLean and the, the crew from Houston do Mondays. Cecil Anderson running our board and uh, gathering news stories. How you doing, Cecil? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, a lot going on. We've got some uh, really exciting guests. I keep, I keep teasing it, but I'm not, so I'm not telling you. If you're on the Facebook page, you'll see, because this will put a nice graphic together. Diane Xavier is here also uh, running our, our social media. We're on YouTube and Facebook and uh, Twitter. The handle is GRN Online. So, all right, so we have, it was brought to my attention, my friend Olivia, uh, oh, actually, the first time I ever heard of the the, the, the movie called The Chosen, uh, that, that's not a movie. It's a TV series. The TV series, The Chosen, was my friend Olivia. She told me about it, and she said, you're really going to watch it. And But before that, even, you had gone on the set because they, they film it here in North Texas. And they you, you told me, it, yeah. I'm going off one day to do some interview about yeah. some <laughs> TV series called The Chosen. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> some low-budget, you know, right, uh, right. Christian. That's what you think. Uh, boy, it has taken off. It has. In the last year since I went and did that set visit, I had no idea what it was before I went either. So many of my friends have come up to me and they said, oh, I have been watching this TV show called The Chosen. I'm like, you know about the show The Chosen? What? Yeah. <laughs> this is crazy. And it's crowdfunded. It's the most successful crowdfunded media series. Oh, and it's the only, it's the only multi-season uh, series about the life of Jesus. And so why am I talking about the chosen? Because, uh, by golly, we have Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> we always have um, Jesus, and, but. Yeah, and I know, Dr. Malloy, you've seen the first, uh, have, the, yes. the, the first episode of the first season. And I, and I, I gotta say, my wife and I, I, I convinced my wife to, to watch the first one and we have fallen in love with it. We've watched the whole thing and now we're all kind of waiting for season two. Uh, but the, uh, it's, how many viewers are there right now? Uh, you know, they, they, they have, I don't know. Let, yeah, I'm not sure uh, about or subscribers. Uh, Lots. Ooh, they, they've raised millions and millions of dollars, but you know, COVID has kind of shut everything down. Right. Are they still filming here in North Texas? Uh, yeah. Are they yeah. still filming here? Uh, well, I thought they, they they're not, I don't, nobody's filming anything. No, these right, days. right. They filmed yeah. like three weeks here in North Texas. They filmed out in Weatherford. There's a, uh, a place that's yeah. actually a two scale of, of yeah, it's kind of cool. So, anyways, the the, Je- Jesus is played by a gentleman by the name of Jonathan Rumi, 
And Dallas Jenkins and the crew that puts this on are not Catholic. It's a Protestant group. And that, that was the first like kind of red flag. I was like, ah, you know, do I want to watch this? How mm-hmm. are they going to portray, you know, the life of Jesus? Turns out the Jesus character, Jonathan Rumi, is a really, really devout, faithful Catholic. He's going to join us on the show here in about uh, 25 minutes. Uh, to talk about himself. Last night, my wife and I were watching Jonathan Rumi le- leading the, the Divine Mercy Chaplet that he does every, every day for 40 days. He's leading it. He does a whole, uh, prayer hour, uh, intercession of the saints. When you see him on screen, he's got the Divine Mercy image behind him. And so th- this guy is a, a really amazing person. I'm really excited to talk to him. So assuming he wakes up, cause it's early out there in <laughs> California where he lives. It is. Hope so. Yeah. So anyways, uh, and then, so we got Jonathan Rumi at 25 after, and then a big story broke this week where there is this, um, another, uh, TV show that's going out on the FX channel, uh, actually being released today, and it's called AKA Jane Roe, right? And it's about Norma McCorvey. Mm-hmm. And it claims that Norma McCorvey made a quote, deathbed confession nine months before she died where she really is saying, I'm not, I was not really pro-life. I was just paid. Uh, I was the to, big fish. Right. The, the, the big fish. Yeah, the, the pro-life movement paid her to come. And so side, yeah. the, the trailer came out and needless to say caught a lot of attention. And I, <laughs> Wednesday morning I was sitting around and I went on Twitter and I saw Abby Johnson, uh, comment and said, this is, you know, basically this is nonsense. You know, I knew her. She was pro-life. You know, this is total manipulation of, uh, of a person, you know, I can, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but, so I called Abby Johnson. I said, hey, can you come on the show <laughs> Friday morning? I think she was surprised to get a call on her cell phone. So she said, yeah, sure, I can do it. So we're going to talk to her in just a couple of minutes awesome. as well about this. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of frustrating because this was I'm, I'm really intrigued because the, mm. the stories are pretty uh, – they've got some nice, juicy quotes yeah, from, they, from they, Norma. Definitely. They, they, and and they so do. when you're just looking at the sound bites, uh, Dave, as you said before the show, you know, we want to see the full interview. Exactly. Yeah. But Editing is amazing. Too. Father yeah. Frank Pavone is asking for the full interview to come right. out. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, something about it stinks. And of course, you know, we're coming from a pro-life perspective, as is Abby Johnson, but she's going to join us, uh, here in a few minutes. In fact, we're already running late. Uh, <laughs> uh, your, your calls are welcome. 877-757-9424. Other things in the news going on? Yeah, Cecil? definitely. So obviously, uh, states are slowly opening up and various ones are at different speeds and stuff. Uh, Minnesota is, uh, still asking that um, religious gatherings are kept to 10 people or less. Yeah. And the bishops of, of Minnesota as a whole, all of them, have decided to not follow that because they say, we have churches that can fit a 1,000 people. Why are we only having 10 people? We can do the social distancing. We can do six feet apart. So um, they said uh, th- they're moving forward and they are going to go ahead and open mass up this weekend across Minnesota. And they are, of course, they're not going to just full masses. They're doing a third capacity. They're going to follow guidelines. Um, but their frustration was that they had reached out to the governor several times and tried to talk with him and see if they could work something out. And the Minnesota guidelines uh, for the first two phases, they're in phase one. Religious, um, you know, gatherings are 10 people or less. Phase two, 10 people or less oh. is phase three. 20 people or less. 
Phase that, three, 20 people. And, and there's no time frame, right? Exactly. There's yeah. no time frame. So that, compared to, to like stores, uh, stores that are non-essential are opening, you yeah. know, at 50%. Marijuana capacity. stores, et yeah. cetera, oh, yeah. et cetera. Some people are saying, can we have mass at Walmart? Cause, you know, Walmart's, you know, <laughs> right. you can do whatever they want. I mean, they, they have people when you walk into Walmart that are taking count, but I've never yeah, been yeah. turned back. Right, right. Uh, no, and they, and, and they let the, well, at, at some of the places like Sam's, they, they're not monitoring the lines. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like at Kroger, they have the X's every six feet, but yeah. not at Sam's. Yeah. I, I, I applaud these bishops. I, they I, I, came I together think, and they made that decision. You know, I, I sometimes think, and just hypothetically, what if there had been a little bit more civil disobedience? You know, what if there had been just some more just saying? And you I, know, I think I, the I bishops think so. are, are getting courage from lay people who are call, or begging them, please mm. serve our people. And, and, and it's, so I, I think that's, that's fantastic. The Absolutely. lay people sticking their necks out yeah. and saying, you know, politely, please meet our needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Definitely. that, this is fantastic that they're feeding the people in due season. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, I, and I haven't heard any negative comments about it. I haven't heard anybody, I mean, 10 people and then phase two, it goes ten up people. to 10 people. <laughs> I know. I, I couldn't, that was so confusing to yeah. me because everything else was moving up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. That's so, ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Sorry. Um, in the midst of all on? this, also, the question has always been, will schools reopen in the fall or will they be in person and stuff like that? But there's a question I hadn't considered, which an article that Dave sent me was brought to my attention is that, some schools are just closing down yeah. because they oh, don't no longer have the funding to stay open because all that funding has gone to uh, pay for employees and faculty. And some a lot of these schools are Catholic schools, including All Saints Catholic School in Delaware, which because of this um, pandemic, their finances are in shambles and they can't reopen. And the um, at least a hundred um, Catholic private schools across the country are expected not to reopen in the fall, according to the National Catholic Education Associate Association. And Kathy Mears, who's the president and CEO of that group, um, says that she expects this to uh, affect over 50,000 students. And this is just the beginning. This should, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She goes, if this trend continues, she goes, I worry that there won't be Catholic school options, especially for the middle class and the poor. Um, and it's that's crazy that mm-hmm. 100 schools are going to be unable to open Catholic schools. You know, it's it's interesting. Schools are asking their employees, are, are you willing to come back? And I, you know, I'm 50, so I can't really, uh, you know, claim I'm brave here because I'm kind of at the very beginning of being in the danger zone. Right. Mm-hmm. Very early. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I'm not. But. I think we need to come back. You can't. Who's going to pay for online education at a Catholic school? Yeah. Right, right. Whether it's college or high school. So we we kind of need to be bold and come and and just take take trust in Providence and and you know do what we can. But we need to come back. I saw I saw a video the other day uh, of a, a Protestant pastor saying exactly that. He's like, we got we got to get back. People have to be more outspoken. People have to be more active. I mean, I I, I comment on social media posts, but I think. Uh, you know, it's getting scary. It's mm. getting scary when you got a hundred Catholic schools that are closing and uh, a lot of, yeah, we, what you, you guys just call it draconian laws. Uh, yeah. you know, California, Kentucky, North Carolina, Michigan, Washington state. I mean, there are some crazy laws out there. The, and there are a lot of people in those states saying, you, you know, we want out. I say they're salivating. There's a lot of people out there. You know, this started with goodwill. They're salivating. What can we do next time? Yeah. Or how can we, you know, squeeze the turnip? 
All right. Uh, very good. And uh, I know there was another story that Cecil was looking at. There's some uh, virtual pro-life event in Rome. Just real yeah, quickly. Yeah, it's connected uh, for life. They usually have a march, but they're doing it virtually. So you can watch it on EWTN tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Well, that was it. Yeah, did that one quickly. All right. Let's, let me give a little background. Cecil's a speed talker. <laughs> Especially when I'm telling her, like, hey, let's move along. Because we, we were originally going to get Abby on at 5 after, and then I told her 10 after, and it's uh, 11 after now. Do I hear 15? All right. So, <laughs> hey, buddy, buddy, buddy. <laughs> All right. So the doctor. Documentary, a.k.a. Jane Roe, is set to premiere today on the FX channel. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen the FX channel. I know it. It gives viewers an inside look into Norma McCorvey's journey from abortion rights plaintiff and advocate to, and now when you hear hear this, you know where they're coming from, anti-abortion campaigner. Okay, they never use pro-life. It's always anti-abortion campaigner or or activist. Uh, Before her death in 2017, McCorvey told the film director that she hadn't changed her mind about abortion, but told the director she uh, said what she was paid to say. And so this is what's coming out today. And, of course, there's been a lot of pushback. I saw I was first um, alerted about this because I saw Abby Johnson uh, twi- uh, on Twitter comment about it. And I immediately <laughs> called Abby and said, hey, can you be on the show with us? And she's uh, nice enough and kind enough to be on with us right now. And as you know, Abby's one of those people. She doesn't really need an introduction. But uh, she resigned as Planned Parenthood Clinic Director in October of 2009 as now one of the most prominent pro-life leaders in the country. She's the author of the book Unplanned, which was made into a successful movie in 2019. Her website is abbyjohnson.org, and she joins us on the phone right now. Abby Johnson, good morning. Hi, good morning. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, we're really interested in your take on this. I, I know, yeah, you know, you and Norma have a lot in common, um, and, and having once been, you know, uh, very, very prominent in the the, the pro uh, on the abortion side, and then becoming pro life. Uh, your your first response when you heard about this trailer and this show that's coming out today? I mean, um, immediately I thought. Of the, I had a conversation with Norma just days before her death, um, and I, the conversation I had with her, you know, I I knew her to be um, a woman who was still very haunted by her her involvement um, as Jane Roe from Roe v. Wade, um, and so you know I. I didn't know Norma. That was the only conversation I'd had with her. I knew of her. I knew of her personality, really, from from Father Frank Pavone, um, because he really lived life with her for for those twenty two years, um, and was was her spiritual advisor during those twenty two years, and. Of course, he and I are also very close, and so I really knew of her through him, and uh, I, I sort of knew of her personality um, through him, and knew her to uh, uh, be a, you know I don't really know the right way to say it, but she she could get mad and and say things that were sort of off the wall and. Um, and then the next day come back and say, you know, oh, I, you know, I didn't mean that. I shouldn't have said that. And so when I first heard of these things that she supposedly said, I thought, well, you know, she could have been mad that day. She, you know, who knows? Um, 
but I knew the woman that I talked to just days before her death. Mm-hmm. And I knew of the work that she had done for 22 years. And I knew that those things weren't a lie. And so I also know that the abortion lobby is a lie. And so whatever they were able to get her to say on camera, um, you know, whatever type of day she was having that day, whatever type of grievance she had that day, however they were able to manipulate her words, um, you know, I don't know. None of us have even seen the documentary. But I know that the woman I talked to on the phone days before her death was a, a woman who was sorry about her involvement in the abortion industry. And that's what I know to be true. Yeah, and Father Frank Pavone has said the same thing. He saw her actually the day of her death, and he, as you as you mentioned, spiritual director, I think, for 22 years. And he's, uh, he's the one that's asking them to release the entire interview, all the footage, because uh, as Teresa Tamio has pointed out this week, you can be very clever with editing in how you edit mm-hmm. things. And uh, uh, Abby Johnson joins us now to talk about this uh, this show, this documentary that's being uh, put out today, interestingly, about uh, three, four years after they, they do it. Uh, just, yeah, uh, 877-757-9424. Dr. Chris Malloy from University of Dallas is here in studio with us as well, Abby. Go ahead. Yeah. Good morning, Abby. Uh, question. So, it, it you know, th- we talk about... Uh, th- old old vices coming to try to get us before we die do you think so it sounds like she was just struggling with a battle i mean a, a battle of wills uh, could that could that be the case yeah i mean look she carried a burden i mean albeit it was a, a self-imposed burden for 22 years of her life that is a burden that none of us could, I mean, not even someone like me could even understand, um, could even begin to understand. You know, people talk, you know, they say to me, oh, Abby, you know, gosh, 22,000 abortions, that's a, gosh, that's a huge burden to carry. And, I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, I guess it is. But then when I think of Norma, someone like Norma, um, you know, my, my burden of 22,000 abortions, those 22,000 abortions, she, she carries that burden mm-hmm. of 22,000 abortions. She carried the burden of every single abortion that has been committed since Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Um, that's something that none of us can even imagine. And, and, so I, you know, I could see her at the end of her life really grappling with that. I I could see a person at the end of their life saying, you know, maybe I don't care about that. You know, trying to, in their mind, justify that. You know, maybe maybe it's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, maybe... Maybe I, maybe, maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe I am okay with that. You know, I mean, I could see someone at the end of their life trying to relieve themselves of that burden because it is so incredibly heavy. Um, I could see someone doing that. Almost like, uh, rather than the forgiveness, just the, you know, just try to justify it. Justifying it. Yeah. Because that has got to be the easier solution in your mind. If you have been tormented by this for for 22 years, 
it's got to be easier just to justify it and say, well, abortion, maybe it's not that bad. Yeah. Than to actually bear the guilt of the death of 60,000, 60 million babies. I heard uh, Janet Morana was being interviewed, and she said the last thing that Norma said to her before she died, and again, I think she was there at her, her side when she was uh, passing away in mm-hmm. 2017, was something along the lines of keep up the good fight. You know, you got you got to keep this fight. Um, Abby, I, I mentioned that you and Norma have a lot in common, and I, uh, you know, you're both converts to the faith. You both, of course, were on the other side at one time. And, uh, you know, th- this whole thing about they, they told me what to say, they, they paid me to, to, to be pro-life, and I, I think that sometimes there could be um, a little bit of zealousness on the pro-life side. You know, you get somebody, like a, a crown jewel. I remember when I first heard about you, Abby, mm-hmm. I was thinking like, oh, my gosh, we, you know, we got we, a former Planned Parenthood clinic director. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, I, I hope she says this and says that. And, of course, you know, people like you and Norma would get paid to give talks and you know so i don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with getting paid for being pro-life or you know giving your talk but anyways in that regard you see what i'm saying there the, you, you could maybe have a very unique perspective on on how the pro-life community treated her as kind of a crown jewel right yeah i mean yeah was norma paid to give talks yep you know absolutely um you know you know headline news uh president of Planned Parenthood is paid to do her job, right? Does that make her a phony? No. Um, people are paid to do the work that they do. Um, that doesn't that doesn't mean that their work isn't genuine. I mean, that's ridiculous that, that these people are even trying to twist that into something. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, look, I think that when Norma came out of the when Norma came out of the abortion industry and said, you know, look, I think abortion's wrong. The pro life movement did not know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that they were like, "What is happening? You know, this <laughs> is crazy. This is incredible." I mean, who knew that the woman that had been, you know, paraded around as this abortion rights advocate uh which you know we didn't know no one knew how used she had been yeah um by the abortion law nobody knew tell us tell us about that could you tell us about that and about how she converted yeah i mean she um you know roe roe v wade was really predicated on a lie so um, you know, Norma never had an abortion. Norma placed two of her children for adoption. So, you know, Roe was all about abortion rights. So, um, Norma was really paraded around as a woman who had had an abortion, but she had never had an abortion. Yeah. Um, she, you know, said she would never have chosen an abortion. Um, she chose to place her children for adoption, um, but she was used. She was, you know, manipulated by them because she was poor. She was uneducated, and I'm sure that she was paid, uh, you know, a significant amount of money to be sort of um, their talking head for, you know, Sarah Weddington and, and the lawyers and, and the abortion lobby during that time. Um, 
she ended up spending a little bit of time working in an abortion facility. Um, and there were uh, a group of people and who were, you know, talking to her and um, who were, you know, just forming a relationship with her. And she ended up leaving leaving the abortion clinic. And, you know, I think they just did not know what to do. You know, here comes Norma McCorvey, Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade. And it was such a huge win for the pro-life movement that, you know, yeah, let's put a mic in her hand and have her start talking. Mm-hmm. Of course. That's only right? natural. And yeah. Of course. And so, you know, yeah, was she, you know, used by the pro-life movement? Yes. But was it malicious? No. Was it intentional? No. It was just because everybody was so excited. Yeah. You know, yeah. That, that Jane Roe is out here and pro-life. No one. That no they one... wanted her to tell her story. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a there's definitely an eagerness. And, uh, there's a lot of people today. Yeah, if, uh, and, I mean, and, people pray and, for Nancy Pelosi. People pray for you know. Imagine some of these really staunch pro-abortion people became pro-life Catholics. <laughs> It'd be like a feeding frenzy. Everybody was, you know, of course, yeah. Uh, Abby, of we course. just have about and, a, a about another minute to go. So you'll know, go ahead and make your your last comment if you would. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just I tell you know I've been telling people listen. In the end, you know, even if it were all true. Even if Norma McCorvey was like the biggest trickster, the biggest huckster ever known to the pro-life movement, or 22 years of her dedication to ending Roe v. Wade, the you know the the uh, you know case that bore her name. Even if that was a complete lie, and she fooled all of these people, including Father Frank Pavone, that lived life with her for 22 years. Even if that was all a lie, okay, which I don't believe. In the end, it doesn't really matter because abortion isn't wrong because Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade was pro-life. Abortion is wrong because abortion takes the life of an innocent human being in the womb. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I know to be true. And the other thing I know to be true is that the abortion industry lies. The abortion lobby lies. And and so those are the things that we need to hang on to. And we also need to recognize that they have been sitting on this footage, this bombshell footage, supposedly, for four years. Yeah, yeah. This is a huge distraction to the pro-life movement. It's not a coincidence it's coming out right before an election. Yeah, <laughs> and also not a coincidence that they didn't release it while she was still alive and she could refute it. Uh, exactly. because they, 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 yeah, I think they did it nine months before she died and they, you know, it doesn't take nine months to, I mean, it takes some time to put something like this together, but they could have done it before she passed away. And you know, like you say, the election year mm-hmm. is also uh, convenient for them. Abby, we got to go. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your perspective. Uh, her website, abbyjohnson.org. I know I'm still hearing a lot of talk about, uh, unplanned and, uh, uh, and thank you again for being part of I mean, obviously, that was about your your life, but what an amazing movie that was. Uh, thanks, Abby. Great speaking with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Okay. God bless you. All right. Uh, Abby Johnson there. Uh, great perspective. I, I hadn't really thought about that even when I... Uh, you know, booked her for that. Is yeah. that she? Is, she and she probably has more in common with Norma McCorvey. Yeah. 
being that everybody in the pro-life movement was so excited. Everybody wanted a piece of her, so to speak, you know, but great perspective. All right. So can we take a one minute break, uh, Cecil? Yeah. So one minute break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to uh, Jonathan Rumi. He plays Jesus in The Chosen. I'm so excited to talk to him. Faithful Catholic, wonderful man. It's a great, great TV series. And uh, my wife and I have thoroughly enjoyed the first season and uh, we encourage you to watch it. And uh, we'll find out when season two is going to come out. So Jesus, Jonathan Rumi coming up right after this. Hi, this is Len Oswald, president of the GRN, with this week's GRN Family Minute. Since going on the air in July 2000, no single individual has influenced the mission of the Guadalupe Radio Network more than Mother Mary Angelica, the founders of the Eternal Word Television Network. EWTN became the largest religious television and radio network in the world as a result of Mother Angelica's prayers and tireless work. Her singular goal was to save as many souls as possible through EWTN programming. Her vision of populating heaven is a mission we share at the Guadalupe Radio Network. After going on the air with our first station in July 2000, we have tried to emulate Mother Angelica's examples of frequent prayer, especially Eucharistic adoration, and also in the way in which she led the EWTN operation by putting complete trust in God's providence. Even though she is no longer with us physically, she is always with us spiritually. We are your Catholic radio, radio for your soul. And we welcome you back to GRN Live Friday Edition. Boy, the, the show is just flying by 28 minutes after the hour already. And uh, the phone number is 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. As I mentioned, it was uh, last year sometime, Cecil uh, came up to me and said she's going off to a set to do an interview with, uh, I think, Mary Magdalene. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's just have it. Uh, and it was some TV series called The Chosen. And at the time, I was just like, yeah, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, have fun. I hope, I hope it goes well. And then uh, just a few months ago, my friend Olivia was saying, you got to watch this series. you got to watch this. And, I, and I, I resisted. I put it off. And then finally I came home one night and said to my wife, I said, hey, let's, let, let's, let's watch this first one and just see if it's any good. And then, you know, it just let's watch an hour. And if it's bad, we'll, we'll never watch anymore. And we fell in love with it. It is just absolutely awesome. And uh, so, so honored. Uh, so thanks to Cecil. Thanks to Olivia. Thanks to everybody who's part of this. Jonathan Rumi is an award-winning actor, director, voiceover talent. Uh, he plays the role of Jesus in the, what I'm calling wildly popular original TV series called The Chosen, the first multi-season television series about the life of Christ as witnessed through the eyes of those he impacted, directed by Dallas Jenkins. And distributed by VidAngel Studios, The Chosen has grown to become the largest crowdfunded TV series of all time. Just as a side note, I'm watching a, a Catholic uh, conference a couple weeks ago, and Dr. Scott Hahn is giving a talk about a book he wrote. And then in the middle of it, seemingly not even related to what he's talking about, he said, you got to see this series, The Chosen. So Dr. Scott Hahn is very big on it. Uh, and so very, very honored that uh, Jonathan Rumi joins us on the program today to talk about his role as Jesus on The Chosen. Uh, Jonathan, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Dave. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing doing well. Thanks so much. Uh, Dr. Chris Malloy from the University of Dallas is here. And good Cic- morning. And Cecil Anderson, so you may hear a few different voices. Uh, 
Sure. Uh, you know, I promised myself that my first question was not going to be, what's it like to play Jesus? <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be, what's it like to interview Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I want to start off before we get to you as Jesus. I'd like to you know, ask you about you. Uh, you know, Jonathan Rumi, my, my wife and I were uh, praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet with you last night. And uh, I know you're, oh, le- you're leading that. And uh, it was a great way to kind of prepare for this. So thank you for doing that. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, are you a, a, a cradle Catholic, your upbringing, uh, getting into acting? Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I was actually baptized Greek Orthodox. And um, my mother is from Ireland. And she was raised Roman Catholic. My father is from Egypt, um, and he was raised uh, Greek Orthodox, but he went to Catholic school in Cairo. So um, he got an education by the um, French Jesuits uh, growing up. And so when he came to the United States, and then he met my mother, and they fell in love and got married and had kids, um, and we were all uh, baptized Orthodox. And then when we moved, to the suburbs of New York City, um, there weren't a whole lot of options for us as far as Orthodox churches go uh, and communities that we, you know, that we could really just engage with. So um, just down the street was a Catholic church, and for my dad, it was a very easy transition. It was like, you know, like being a kid, growing up in, in, in Egypt, so it wasn't really that different for him. So we started going to Catholic Church, and then we, we made our first communions and confirmations as Catholics. Um, and it's just kind of, uh, it's just so, essentially been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Yeah. And getting into acting uh, was, uh, I, I, you know, pro- you probably never thought that you're going to play Jesus. Uh, well, what would have been some of your other acting uh, gigs, I guess, for a lack of a, a bad, better word? And uh, what, what were your aspirations for acting? Did you always want to do this kind of acting or did you think it was going to be more secular movies or, or what? Well, I, funny enough, Dave, I actually never intended to be an actor at all. Like I had mm. no desire to be an actor. Um, <laughs> It was. It's funny how God kind of works in that way. He's just like, yeah, okay. Well, you keep thinking that. I got other plans for you. Um, so I I went to film school in New York City, and um, I went to the School of Visual Arts, and I had planned to become a filmmaker. You know, I made a bunch of films in in school, and then I got out, and I was you know considering going into um, special effects and, and uh, uh, you know, maybe a theatrical makeup effects and, and animatronics and stuff were, were so uh, impactful for me. Seeing films like, you know, Terminator 2 when I was a kid was like a, a huge uh, influence on me to decide to go to film school. I wanted to learn how they did all of that kind of stuff, you know, with, with the animatronics. And, uh, and so I uh, got out of film school thinking, okay, I would, you know, maybe get into, uh, start with uh, art department. So I started working uh, behind the scenes on a crew and I worked a couple of years in art department, worked uh, building sets. Uh, eventually I sort of uh, fell into uh, location scouting and became a location manager for many years and worked on a number of um, large studio films, including the first two Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire. I worked on I Am Legend. I worked on a lot of big films. Um, and But throughout that time, uh, even just a few years out of college, I started to kind of have this itch uh, to, to, to at least perform vocally. I, I was always a really good mimic mm-hmm. uh, and impressionist. 
And so um, I decided to write one day. I just thought I'd like to work on this one particular show, you know, for MTV at the time called Celebrity Deathmatch. And that was a TV show where these clay animated celebrities, claymation celebrities, would get in a ring and fight each other to the death. <laughs> and they always needed people. They always needed people to sound like these these celebrities. And and a lot of the times I'm like, oh, I could do a better impression than that, you know. And and uh, and so I wrote a letter, literally. And and three months later, the casting director answered and. Uh, you know, sent me uh, an audition and I, I started auditioning. And then within like a month or so, I started booking um, episodes and I ended up doing three years on that show, um, about 25 different characters over the course of uh, three seasons on Celebrity Deathmatch. Who'd you and imitate? Gave me Who'd oh, you? I did. Uh, I did so many. Uh, Ray Romano was one that <laughs> nice. I did. Yeah, uh, I did uh, the lead singer of Metallica. I did uh, Sam Donaldson. I did uh, Bush uh, Jr. Um, a couple of times. Can you do um, one for us now? <laughs> uh, Ray Romano's one of the guys that I did Wow, from Celebrity Deathmatch to Jesus. Uh, I, 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 Jonathan Rumi is uh, my guest, uh, our guest, uh, award-winning actor, director, voiceover talent. I mentioned that at the beginning in his introduction, and uh, now now you got the proof. Uh, phone number 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. If you've seen the series, maybe you're hearing about it for the first time. If you have a question for him, uh, let us know. You know, I, I went on um, uh, the, the Internet today, and I looked up the chosen and just doing some research, you know, preparing for the interview, and it said a 2017 TV series, and I was talking to Cecil about this. Uh, let, let's kind of transition and talk about this, uh, how you got involved with VidAngel, when when was this filming done for season one, uh, and just kind of how this all came about uh, as uh, you are Jesus on The Chosen. Oh, what, what, what was your origin of this? Well, there's, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. There's a lot of... Um information that they're trying to correct on IMDb. There's some really weird, incorrect, and inconsistent bits of information. So um, I think 2017, what they're referring to was this pilot film, this this uh, standalone film that Dallas Jenkins, the creator of uh, The Chosen, made for his, um, his church's Christmas service called The Shepherd. The Shepherd was essentially the story of the nativity uh, as seen through the eyes of the shepherds in the field. And it was like a 25, 30 minute film that he made that he released that went viral. Um, uh, he made it in, uh, I believe it was the winter, December of, uh, 2017. And so that film, uh, went viral and became essentially the, the pilot or the, you know, the, the, the fundraising, uh, impetus uh, to to see if we could actually uh, raise enough money to do a series, so it sort of got lumped into the um, the canon of the film of the series, so to speak, as being the pilot, even though it's not actually you know uh, it wasn't made to be a series at that time. It was literally just made to be a film, and then about six eight months late. No, it was actually about nine months later. Funny enough, nine months later, that film birthed uh, the series. We started filming, um, appropriately enough, the the chosen as a series in uh, fall of 2018, 
And then the first four episodes, which we filmed between like September, end of September and December, beginning of December, uh, were released in uh, April, in Easter uh, 2019, last year. And then last summer, um, we filmed uh, between July and August, we filmed uh, the second half, episodes five through eight of The Chosen um, in Texas, which were released in uh, around Thanksgiving of, of 2019 last year. Yeah. First episode, uh, interesting in that, uh, Jesus doesn't really appear, you know, it's, it's almost towards the end and I, and I'm, I'm getting, you know, roped into this and it's about Mary Magdalene. It's about Nicodemus. It's about, I think Peter was introduced and, and I, and I'm just, I'm loving it, but I'm thinking, Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? And and I this this build. You up. and I both. <laughs> There's this build up of you know I, I want I mean it's kind of like I want to see Jesus. I want to know what Jesus looks like. I want to see how do they portray Jesus. And then all of a sudden you appear. You know your first interactions with in a him. bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he just uh, walked into a bar. So what? Uh, how, how were you chosen? Or I, I, I guess um, I, no I'm going to I'm, I'm yeah, go, <laughs> go ahead and ask you about the, you know, playing Jesus. And it's it just I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, what, what an amazing role. And you do such a fabulous job with it. And uh, but just uh, tell us about why. Why did they say they, they, they thought you would make a good Jesus for the series? Well, I had um, five years prior at the time. It's now six years since I first met Dallas Jenkins. Um Dallas, as I mentioned, as with the shepherd for his church's Christmas service, Dallas would also do, he was like the, the media director of his church. I don't know, remember his exact title because uh, he no longer does that. But um, he uh, he was doing uh, films for his Christmas and his church's Christmas and Easter service. And so in uh, 2014, I got cast to play, or I read for a film called The Two Thieves, which was about the two thieves crucified along either side of Christ uh, and a sort of um, invented origin story as to how they might have gotten there, kind of very sort of plausible, historically authentic, and very, very much in the vein of, of what The Chosen looks like now. This, this was its sort of formulaic predecessor uh, as, to, as to the kinds of stories Dallas likes to tell and is really good at telling. Um, so I read for The Penitent Thief, because it was essentially his arc in in the film. And then uh, I auditioned for that. And then two days later, I got a call to come read Jesus. And I was like, oh, but Jesus only has like five lines. <laughs> you know, so it wasn't my idea of like, the, it wasn't the role that I wanted. But uh, clearly the role that God meant me to play. And, and Dallas tells the story that about seven seconds into my tape playing, uh, reading for Jesus, he's like, that's that's Jesus. That's the Jesus yeah. for this film. And then uh, subsequent to that, uh, over the next three years, I would play uh, Christ for him uh, in two other sets of uh, projects, two vignettes, uh, sets of vignettes uh, for for the same church, uh, church's Easter service. Uh, and then, like, uh, you know, so like five years after that, I got a call in the spring, and he said, hey, we're thinking about doing a series um would you uh would you be up for uh putting the sandals on once more and i said yeah when when do we start you know because i i trusted him completely we'd become friends uh we we had essentially enough of a working shorthand that it would 
be um, something that I was really looking forward to. And I understood it was there was nothing guaranteed. It was like maybe we could do four episodes and see what would come of it. And God willing, if we had the opportunity, finish out a season or two. Um, Ultimately, the plan is was and still is to do seven or eight seasons. Mm. Um, And uh, And and, ending ending on what note? Uh, not quite sure yet. Okay. Um, probably through the resurrection, maybe going into the Acts, but I think with Jesus' story, it would probably end somewhere right around the Acts, I, w- I would think. We haven't really had that discussion. I know he's got general ideas about where the seasons uh, end, um, start and end, and what is told, but the specifics aren't ever really mapped out until he starts, him and his team of writers, uh, Ryan... Um, uh, Swanson and Tyler Thompson, they, they get into their uh, writer's bunker and then just hash it out. So right now, for instance, they just a couple of weeks ago, they just finished uh, writing episodes one through four of season two. And then they'll be going back into the bunker shortly to write episodes five through eight. And we're now in the midst of uh, funding. We've almost got episode four of season two funded. We funded mm. the first three episodes. Once we see uh, fund episode four, um, there is a very good chance we will be able to go back into uh, production with, if you know, all things working out in in our favor according to God's will. Of course, that uh, we're able to go and and shoot, and all the unions get on board, and we can figure out safety precautions amidst this quarantine. And mm-hmm. um, there are there is some filming starting to to resume in in, in parts of the country now. I know I've been uh, talking to some friends and stuff. So um, you know, God willing, we'll. we'll start shooting and hopefully be great to be filming in the summer but uh you know whatever god wants yeah so can you tell us inside scoop how the how the filming works so you're given the manuscript do you do you get to say well wait a minute this line can i change it uh you know any actors have input there etc etc how how does it work out yeah there's i mean you know generally um you get a script and it's the scripts are really good so there's really not much that anyone wants to change um on the day you know w- what will happen is we might be running a scene and it'll just sound weird coming out of our mouth It'd be like ah okay it looked one way on paper it felt one way on paper and now feels a little strange to say this if i'm doing that and he's doing this would i really need to say that so only in terms of economy uh do you start getting into any kind of you know, suggested on-the-fly rewrites. Mm. Uh, for the most part, the scripts remain untouched. Occasionally, of course, and especially with um, in instances where instances where there's humor, um, th- that's when I think, for me, um, stuff comes out in improvisation. I, I like to improvise uh, a lot, but not too much. Um, but if if a director allows me to improvise. Um, when, when it's appropriate, I will, I will try to just, you know, fully, I mean, as part of my job as an actor, fully inhabiting the role, things come out that you don't expect. You know, one of the, um, one of the favorite lines that came out of, uh, season two, uh, it was uh, born out of an improvisation or, you know, just a line that I just kind of improvised on the spot in, uh, episode six after I healed the leper. We put some clothes on him. And uh, I just said, not too shabby. 
and it stuck and they left it in and people were like I can't believe that's awesome and people kept started hashtagging it Jonathan Rumi is our guest he plays Jesus in the uh, hit TV series called The Chosen it's outstanding and we'll tell you how you can uh, get your eyes and ears on it it's, it's absolutely beautiful we're really honored that he's here with us uh, if you have a question uh, call us up and you can get on the program with us 877-757-9424 hey jonathan this is sissel i was wondering because obviously this is a great thing that we need to have out in the culture for everyone to watch and it's a great introduction to christianity um but i just graduated as a film student and i'm always interested in the culture on set obviously not everyone who works not every camera operator um you know audio guy is going to be christian i'm just interested to know because you hear from you know when jim caviezel the passion of the christ there were some interesting conversions on set and conversations have you experienced anything like that um, you know, I, I, generally, like we're we're not in, um, you know, as a as a sort of a show policy, and and to be respectful of people's wishes, I, I, um, I, I don't necessarily. Obviously, I can't really speak to people's individual experiences, um, but I, I will say that, um, you know, there there for a number of cast members, um. And especially myself, the the atmosphere that we experienced on set was unlike any we had experienced on any other film set. Um, I know, um, I think there might be one or two cast members that have talked openly about it, but I can't, I can't, I'm not quite sure. So I don't want to, you know, say anything that is incorrect. Um, But I I believe, you know, one of, at least one of the cast members, felt that you know that they they were not going to even con- take the, the the job because they just felt that you know it wasn't something that that they wanted to, to be involved with and um they subsequently went on to identify that they felt that there was an energy or a spirit that was trying to prevent them or block them from being a part of something that that clearly had impacted them so deeply on such a spiritual level that they they couldn't believe not having participated in this but the 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 feeling was so strong that it became apparent to them in terms that they were not used to um identifying with you know as far as like how the enemy works and 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 getting you know um almost being prevented from from seeing um the beauty of of working on such a project like this that uh that you know that for them really gave them a sense that there was something deeper happening with uh within them if that makes sense all right uh phone number 8777579424 olivia's called in we're going to get her on the line here in just a second uh, jonathan and i you know if you if you're being asked to play Abraham Lincoln or, you know, some character, even somebody who's alive. I know you got to get to know that person really well in order to play them well. And I'm just wondering, as you as Jesus, how is it, how has that impacted your own spiritual life, having to, you know, literally play Jesus? And I was just thinking, we were praying the rosary the other day, and we were doing the Luminous Mysteries, and we got to the wedding feast of Cana, and I told my kids, I said, hey, as we pray this decade, think about that. That that's how they they play that out in the chosen. So to many people, you are Jesus in a sense, you know, you, <laughs> the image of Jesus. I know that that's that's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful burden. But talk talk about that if you will. Then we'll go to a few phone calls. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, to wrap your head around, um, even, even having done a full season. Um, it's funny you mentioned Abraham Lincoln because like the second film I ever did when I got to LA, I played John Wilkes Booth, oddly enough. Oh. <laughs> um, and, uh, so for like in that instance, I'm again re researching a historical character. Um, you know, I'm trying to do as much, uh, of my own sort of studying and, and trying to get into the mind of, of, uh, a man, uh, based on, uh, the culture he grew up in, what the mindset was, uh, in the South when he was coming up. And, and there's, there's only so much that I can access about John Wilkes Booth. I can learn about his brothers, his brother Edwin Booth, who was a great actor and renowned, um, nationally renowned on the stage. Um, but then you have a character like Jesus where it's like, this is a relationship that I've had since, uh, since I was born. Um, as far as I back as I can remember, I've always talked to Jesus. I've always had this, you know, very deeply intimate relationship that, um, is, is much different where now you're being asked to bring this personal relationship, um, you know, to embody, uh, the most personal relationship many people will ever have in their entire lives and to try to get that right. Uh, when you actually think about it in those terms, in those very human terms, as if it's something that you can get right, um, that's where the trouble begins because yeah. you're now trying to take responsibility for something that you, you, it is impossible. So what I try to do, um, as, as an actor with any role is I try to approach the, a role with a sense of truth and authenticity, um, and bring, myself as much as of myself as I can to a role in this case I try to get rid of as much of myself as I can and allow uh, the spirit to sort of work through me as a channel uh, and and then approaching people as Jesus would want me to approach people in all my interactions throughout the day which is with uh, love mercy and compassion and forgiveness and humility and um, and then you know the spirit does the rest. Everything that you see is the result of, yeah. you know, my essential surrendering to um, myself and 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 try, just trying to allow God to work through me. Yeah, you do it beautifully. Uh, let's try to get a couple of phone calls yeah. in while we can. Olivia, as I mentioned, calling from Dallas. Olivia, go ahead. What's your question or comment for Jonathan? Thanks for calling. Hi, Dave. Hi, everybody. Um, Jonathan, I love the Ignatian exercises aspect. Dave mentioned it when he said he encouraged his kids to think about scenes in doing the rosary. Mm. Would you talk more about that and a little bit about Father David Guffey, uh, Family Theater Productions involvement? Yes, Father, uh, funny enough, uh, there's, there are these biblical roundtable discussions with all of our biblical consultants on The Chosen, Father David Guffey of Family Theater, is our uh, Catholic uh, priest representative. We have uh, evangelical professor, Dr. Doug Huffman, and then the um, Messianic rabbi, uh, uh, Jason Sobel, Rabbi Jason Sobel of Fusion Ministries. And uh, one of the things that Dallas asks Father Dave in this one particular episode, which you can find all on the, the Chosen app, Go to the App Store, Google Play. Uh, all of these episodes, I believe, can be found there or mm -hmm. even on YouTube at this point where, um, you know, Dallas is asking uh, 
of Father Dave and talking about the evangelical approach to, you know, representa- representation of Christ, you know, in media and it's how it's something that evangelicals aren't super comfortable with. Uh, but for Catholics, we have, you know, stained glass, we have icons, we have all of this way of, of you know, other ways to, to kind of uh, uh, venerate Christ uh, through our worship. And um, one of the things Father Dave talks about this show having the potential to be is likened very much to Ignatian spirituality, to being able to feel like you're in the scene. What what are your what are you smelling in the air? What is the uh, what are the colors around you? What what's you know the the textures of the fabric that the people next to you are wearing? And it's and and allowing yourself to um, use this uh, imagination uh, process to really picture what it's like to be in Christ's presence and in the spirit, uh, in the presence of the spirit uh, at this time and understanding what he's going through. So um, it's, I I love that he used that analogy um, because it's, you know. Yeah. 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 Thanks so much. Let's try to get one more call in real quickly. Uh, Robert in DC, uh, you can have to be real quick because we're, we're bumping up against the top of the hour, but thanks for calling. What's your question for Jonathan? How important and I'm a Catholic trained actor in New York. How do I get on the show? Thank you. <laughs> it cut out a little okay, bit, but his yeah, question was I, on I, how yeah, important part, your Catholic part. theology was yeah, cat- uh, to, uh, to playing this role, how important your knowledge of uh, Catholic theology is to the role. Sorry, Jonathan. Did you hear that, Jonathan? There you go. Uh, he was asking what, how important his Catholic theology is to the role, um, is to your role, how oh, much your own knowledge is. You got about 45 seconds. <laughs> okay. Um, sure, yes. Sorry. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's my identity. Um, so, so the relationships I have with the Blessed Mother and the saints and my relationship to the Mass was extremely important, particularly in my preparation process, you know, whenever I'm on set and on location, um, especially for this series, whenever I'd have the opportunity to go to Mass uh, and confession and receive the Eucharist, uh, that that gave me spiritual power to kind of, you know, get, pre- you know, ready mentally and spiritually and physically to, to, to drop into the role here. And um, Also, when, when you have, you know, Spiritual warfare is so prevalent in playing a role like this. You gotta, you gotta have every armament at your disposal. So, Amen. Um, yeah, the mass was uh, indispensable for me. Jonathan, the, thanks, thanks so much. Uh, can you tell everybody one more time how they can get the series? I highly recommend it. It's so beautiful. Uh, Jonathan uh, plays Jesus in the series The Chosen. How can they get? It? How can they watch it? Yeah, very, very easy super simple go to the chosen tv forward slash app uh if you're on a computer or go to uh google play or the app store download the chosen app and uh you can start watching it today all right uh thanks so much thank Jonathan you so Ruby. much that, that was awesome uh, appreciate all the calls and uh thanks everybody for watching we'll have the after show and i'm not sure if jonathan can stick with us or not but right after the uh, thank program. you for listening to grn alive From the studios of the Guadalupe Radio Network. For more faith, fun, and facts, join our email list. Just text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And may your Friday be filled with the joy of the Lord.
Blessed be God. Blessed be His holy name. Blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be His most sacred heart. Blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. ATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth.